definitely leaders need to be involved. If they're scheduling something for their guys, they should be there as well with them. You know, you want to feel like it's a part of a group. I mean, we're all humans. Group dynamics are how a lot of things work. And, you know, if the group is separated, the leader's not even there, then it just feels like we're not really the group then. Welcome to the Service MVP Podcast. This is where you go to learn how to use pure motive service to create higher value to grow your results. And now, here is your host, America's service sales coach, Joe Crisera. All right, everybody, welcome to the Service MVP podcast. And my name is Joe Crisera, America's service sales coach, as some people call me, Uncle Joe. I'm the uncle to the service industry. Well, we here now today are going to welcome, uh, if I had a Mount Rushmore of Uncle Joe's friends, he would be definitely on one of the figures on that mountain, uh, etched in granite, and his name is Chris Calamusa, who is our onboarding coach and orientation uh, supervisor for the clients who work at Service MVP, and Chris is going to talk about a great subject called, there's three steps to orienting and onboarding your team. Chris, welcome to the podcast. I really appreciate you being here. Oh, I'm so glad you asked me to be on. This is going to be fun. Thanks for having me. It will be. Chris, uh, first of all, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, just, you know, it's like when people get off to a great start, you know, it's like in a football game. If your team scores a touchdown in the first drive of the game, well, the other team has already got to catch up. They're you know, behind. The same with baseball. When you get ahead of the game, you're, you're winning. Most teams who are ahead in the seventh inning usually win the game by the ninth inning. You know, sometimes you do lose the game, but most of the time it's a good indicator of doing things. Chris, um, tell us a little bit about, how you got started in uh, in this process of uh, becoming an onboarding and orientation coach. And tell me uh, what's been your experience and how did you uh, go from wherever you were to where you are now? Well, when I first joined the team at, uh, was originally contractorselling.com, now service MVP, uh, I was just customer service. I was just supposed to answer the phones and try to help people with their technical difficulties. But the minute that I saw it, Uncle Joe doing some coaching meetings, I was like, I need to be a part of that. Uh, and then about six months later, they made me Joe's assistant. And there it was for about two years, just soaking up all the gold nuggets that got spit out of your mouth. <laughs> so uh, it was a, a very, very impactful time on my life and, uh, you know, just my career. And, you know, now you were, you blessed me by giving me the the reins to help some other students out and, uh, practice with them and role play and graduate them now. So at this point, now I'm the onboarding coach and yeah, we're just making sure we get everybody graduated and through our program. It's been a ton and of fun. Chris, Chris does supervise that department. We have other people who are coaches too. And Chris has gone from not just the onboarding coach, but also to the person who supervises the coaches in that area and trains those people as well. He doesn't just onboard your company. He onboards our company too, our people here. So he's gone through that process right now. No matter who it is, they have to go through that onboarding and orientation uh, at our company, right? Uh, Chris, uh, again, uh, you know, just, you know, Chris had uh, a career. He's still working on his career in stand-up comedy. He oh. he has that in his one thing. He's, he probably doesn't want me to tell you that. I'm just <laughs> exposing everything right now. It's been but, a while, uh, but... <laughs> well, I know. Well, you know, this is this is, I think, the uh, his his primary career right now. But you never know. I always say, Chris, that, this is loaded. I'm going to ask you a little question. They say I always say that the standard for working at Service MVP is that this has to be your dream job. Do we pass the test on that, Chris? How, where we stand on that? A hundred percent, with all sincerity. This has definitely been my dream job. I mean, if you told me like ten years ago that I'd be in a position where I get to role play with people and 
make an actual impact, like basically do an improv all day long, you know, pretending I'm a customer. And I mean, doing improv is one thing, but the fact that this actually has a positive benefit on the world, you know, I mean, that means a lot that I get to go home and I can just sleep very well at night knowing that, you know? Well, if there's any, if there's, you know, Uncle Joe has a, I have a, a saying that I don't participate in negativity. If you go on Facebook, you'll see that. I usually, I don't have anything negative to say about anybody. I try to keep that positive. And I think uh, Chris typifies that uh, we, we walk the same path on that part. He definitely, he sees a lot of people of different different backgrounds and different abilities and different uh, elements of sometimes positive, sometimes negative, sometimes neutral. But he does, definitely does a good job. Thanks, Chris, for uh, staying positive in the face of uh, helping these people find the path and enlighten the path and illuminate the path towards success. I really appreciate that. Of course. Well, everybody's got their strengths, you know, it's just about making sure they know what their strengths are and how that all fits into this big picture that we got here. So. All right, Chris, let's go into the three steps to onboarding, orienting your team and make sure how do we do this right? So uh, why don't you begin by uh, telling us about step number one. What do you think a company should do in the blue collar service industry to make sure that they uh, get people started off on the right foot? I think the key for anything is leadership. It's always going to be the key is if leadership can't get it right, then it's going to be very tough for anybody that they're leading to get it right. So one of the biggest advantages that you could have is if you're a leader and you're going through something that you're going to have the people that are following you go through. So that way you could answer all their questions. And I mean, you know, what's the definition of a leader? It's really someone that serves the people that are following them. So how could you serve, you know, what we call your internal clients if you don't even know what they're going through? So leadership is a huge, huge aspect of all this. Tell us about the effort that a leader needs to make to make sure that they're they're prepped so that they can, you know, they don't got to be a superstar service tech or salesperson or mm-hmm. an office. You don't got to be you don't got to be doing the job, but you have to at least experience it. Tell us a little bit about the effort that a leader would need to make uh, to be able to to make sure the team that they have a su- sufficient credibility so the team would actually follow them. They have to be able to put in the effort to first off uh, set the time aside to be able to do that. And that kind of leads me into my next point, which is scheduling is so crucial. So you have to be able to schedule things for people. It's like anything, like if you wanted to lose weight, you have to schedule your time for the gym. If you want to get good at baseball, you got to schedule time for practice. It's the same thing with this. If you don't schedule time to watch our videos and go on to our meetings, well, then everybody's just going to forget about it. So the effort from the leaders is about scheduling. It's about being able to handle conflict in the right way too. I mean, there's going to be people that give you pushback. Some people are negative, but that's all things that we could handle. And we have plenty of material too, to help you out when going through that. So you're never alone on that, but definitely some of the effort comes into the handling all the personalities, even the small stuff, like printing out papers for everybody to have so they could physically write stuff down. Cause some people like that, just really being prepared and making sure that people feel like they're coming into something that at least somebody knows the process from start to finish and that they could, you know, lean on them a little bit when they need some clarity. It's not like you have to be an expert at the process, but you should know where all the tools are located and things like that. How how important is it that, you know, if you're asking your people to graduate and go through something like this, talk about how the leader needs to kind of complete that training. Could you go into a little bit about that? And some some like, what what, what is the leader's role in this type of a thing? You know, when you're saying onboarding, let's say we schedule it. Number one, before we schedule it, the leader should have like already kind of looked at the stuff to make sure we're going to, what we're, what we're scheduling, make sure it's sufficient for him to believe in the scheduling. So tell us, talk a little about the effort that people need to do as leaders to be ahead of the team when it comes to training. Tell us about that a little bit. Well, yeah. I mean, what we tell all the leaders is that they need to go through our e-course and pass it and graduate, you know, before they could even ask any of their employees to go through it. 
you know, and then it gives yourself a lot of credibility when you're able to have graduated before them. Cause then if you're a, you know, if you're a manager and maybe you're not going out in the field, you know, and if you could do that, you know, and you're not, this isn't even a role that you're typically find yourself in. Well then man, how could somebody who is in that role not do it then? Uh, so it really just shows everybody who's following you what the possibilities are, you know, and that's very tough to see if your leader hasn't even done it themselves. I mean, if somebody's walking down a path, if you're going hiking and there's a guy in the front of the, you know, of the, of the group there and he goes, hey, you guys need to cross this river, uh, but I haven't ever crossed it yet. So good luck. <laughs> I mean, you'd be a little bit worried to be like, do we really want to cross this river? I'm not sure if he hasn't done it yet. Is this safe to do? But if you know, you see the leader on the other side and he says, hey, guys, come over here. I tell you, it looks a little bit scary, this river, but I'm telling you, you could get through it. Well, then you're a little bit uh, more comfortable with doing that. You realize that, oh, okay, I can get through this. It is possible. And all that stress really just kind of, I mean, no pun intended, but washes away when you're able to see your leader go through something first like that. Yeah, and it kind of says, well, if they can do it, he's not asking me to do something he hasn't done or she hasn't done themselves. I think that is a, a big part of it there. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that scheduling you mentioned. So number two, the step number two you mentioned is to schedule the uh, training. I think yeah. the difference between an amateur and a professional is to schedule things, right? So um, let's talk about the scheduling. And is it just scheduling the team for this? Or is the leader gotta be part of it? Or and a lot of times people say, hey, I bought this training for the guys. Hey guys, go ahead and do it. Yeah. Is that what a good leader would? Cause that's, you probably have seen this. That's one of the biggest mistakes as well too. Could you talk, talk a little bit about not only scheduling it, but who are we scheduling and how much time we have to schedule? Tell us a little bit about what level of commitment it takes to take any employee. Listen, it doesn't have to be just be service MVP, but whatever you're doing, uh, if you're using a different system, obviously we have an operating system for service field, office staff and management, right? But, you know, uh, no matter what you do, what would you say is su sufficient time and how frequent should it be? Who should be there? And tell us a little bit about that. Definitely, definitely leaders need to be involved. If they're scheduling something for their guys, they should be there as well with them. You know, you want to feel like it's a part of a group. I mean, we're all humans. You know, the group dynamics are how a lot of things work. And, you know, if the group is separated, the leader's not even there, then it just feels like we're not really the group then. Uh, and people are definitely less motivated. There's nothing that holds people more accountable than having your manager sit there and making sure that you are doing this the right way. You know, and if you're a leader that people respect, well, then people are going to put in an extra effort to want you to feel satisfied in the effort that they're putting on. You know, they're going to want to impress you. They're going to want to uh, look in front of you. And that just means that they're going to put in more effort just by your presence alone. Uh, and when you're not there, I mean, you know, we've all seen situations. I mean, we could imagine, like, imagine a, a high school class without the teacher in it. You know, it'd get pretty chaotic really quick. But all of a sudden, Very the teacher funny. comes in, and now they're all listening and paying attention, which is good for them because then they learn something. You know, maybe if they were all on their own, they'd say, ah, we don't need to learn this. But then after they do learn it, they go, oh, you know what? That was useful. I'm glad I learned that. And really, all it took was just somebody being in there leading the way and holding them accountable. So a designated leader is going to play the videos for the group, and then they kind of make sure that everybody answers the questions correctly. So it's like you're a facilitator. You're like, you're not making the information up. You're just doing that. Now, is it important? Like, there's some pretty big companies here. Like, you probably got listening to the podcast. You probably got people who have 300 employees. And like that. So we're not saying that the CEO has to sit in on these training meetings, but we have to have a designated leader that would get through it, right? But how important it would be that the owner is checking in to make sure that that the process is being followed because is it possible for somebody who's been designated a leader to maybe fall short themselves chris how important is it sure. that we check in on that yeah leaders need accountability too you know leaders can have people leading them um i mean it's super important you know you want you want you definitely the whoever this manager who's in charge of the training the leadership 
they need to be on the same page as the owner and the owner needs to know what's going on because you don't want ownership making different decisions without all the correct information and vice versa too. You don't want, you know, whoever that manager is, that leader making different decisions that, you know, maybe the owner isn't okay with. So we all need to be on the same page and accountability goes all the way up the ladder. I remember in my, in my book, uh, Whisper Sales Management, which we, I wrote, there's a story about a guy in Canada where I went up there and he's like, yeah, I can't get my team to work as a team. And I said, okay, let's do a meeting. So I actually started talking. So we, to, we had to schedule a half a day in the morning from eight o'clock to 12 noon. And then about 8.30, the manager goes, I got to go to a meeting. I, I got an insurance guy coming and I had to leave the meeting. So he leaves the meeting. Then the sales manager like, yeah, I got something I got to do too. He leaves the meeting. I started out the meeting with 25 people, Chris, and then by the end of the meeting, I had one person sitting there because everybody just kept, they followed the leader. Basically, the leader left, so everybody's like, well, if he's yeah. leaving, it's time for me to leave too, right? Makes sense, Chris? That's uh, that typifies totally. that. Uh, how important is that, I think, the character of the leader that you say we're going to do something, that you stick with it, Chris? How important is that to, to you as an employee? If uh, your boss is saying to do things a certain way, that he does it that way too. What do you think of that? I mean, yeah, it's like, what's better, to lead by advice or to lead by example? You know, it's like if you see somebody just leaving, that just implies, well, it's not important to him. Is this important to anybody else? You know, it makes you question it. And then you start thinking of all the reasons why maybe it's not important. But if that manager is sitting in there and focused and paying attention, well, you just assume that that's how it's supposed to be for everybody then. So it says a lot. And it does leave it to like accountability. Accountability isn't just from the supervisor to the employee. Sometimes the employee should speak up and say, hey, I thought we had this training. How important is it that if you're an employee of a company and, and they said you're going to do an orientation program or something like that, that you speak up for yourself? And how important, what kind of, what would you say a supervisor should respond when an employee brings up the fact that maybe we said we we're going to do this training, but I, they got me off track. I'm not on the training anymore. What's going on? How important would it be that a leader can admit that he may have fell short there? What do you think? Oh, I mean, well, that's accountability 101, right? I mean, what's the other option? You get defensive and blame somebody else. I mean, that's not a good way to react to anything. But if somebody that you're leading is coming up to you and trying to hold you accountable, I mean, that's almost a blessing to have. The fact that they would speak up and have the courage to say something to you, especially in a positive way where they're just trying to, you know, do something that benefits the entire team, the customer, the company all at once. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a good moment to have. Even though it's not a good sign, it's still like a good pivotal moment where you could switch things around if somebody's able to speak up. It's very important. Well, Chris, uh, let's go on to finally step number three. So you got step number one, make sure we have leadership involved and leaders are gonna be there to play the videos, to test, to role play, to quiz, question people. Number two is to schedule these training events and and don't put anything else on the schedule, right? Don't, don't put any other calls on the schedule. Just get this done first and then give them the service call or sales call or go back to their desk if they're gonna do that. Number three, Chris, what's step number three to onboarding and orienting your team? Number three is being very aware of all of our goals. Goals are the key to being able to have something. It's the key to knowing what you need to do. You know, so if we know that the goal is to get graduated, well, now we can work back. Well, how do I get graduated? Well, I got to complete an entire call from start to finish. Well, how do I do that? Well, I got to know the benchmark sheet. Well, how do I do that? I got to show up to practice. So then if you know what your goal is, you know how you're able to accomplish it through, you know, different tasks and uh, how you would work your way up to being able to accomplish that goal. But without that graduation, then you're just kind of left roaming around randomly doing things, you know, and then what's the purpose of it if there's no goal in the end? So it's like anything. I mean, it's like I was saying before with losing weight, how you schedule it. Well, you need a goal. I want to lose 10 pounds and now you have something to work towards. Or if you just say, I just want to lose weight in general, well, you're going to be happy if you lose what, a half a pound, which is just get back the next week or, you know, you're just going to keep going and never really feel a sense of accomplishment 
So, and that's the other important aspect of goals too, especially as a leader trying to get, you know, your trainees uh, motivated to want to do all this. It's, they need goals too. They need to have a feeling of like, yes, I did it. I accomplished something. I was able to be successful. And without those goals, they never had that moment where they feel successful. So it's really important that they, they're motivated in the right way for that. You know, it's interesting on the goals, Chris. It's like some people will make goals, but they're not realistic because you're putting a goal on the results. Like, hey, I want to sell 20000 a week or whatever. That's something you necessarily can't control is that number, right? But what you can control is the effort. How important is it the goal is like effort-based to say, hey, my goal is to make sure I'm 90 minutes a day for three weeks straight and then graduate on week four. That's something that doesn't take a number or a something from the outside to make this work. How important is the goal is something that you in, intrinsically inside yourself can achieve as opposed to saying uh, some of the goals like have built-in excuses like the weight because, hey, I want a vacation or that kind of a thing, right? Sure. Uh, certain goals that are important, like the way you do things that with you, you graduate people in three weeks or four weeks, that's a goal that doesn't depend on anything other than the fact you put the effort in. How important is it that the goal is based on the effort intrinsically, not on something that's outside of yourself? That's the one thing that you can do is put in effort for the things you could control. So, I mean, if I make a goal, I could make a goal. I want it to rain three times this year. It's like, well, it doesn't allow me to do any part of that, you know? So that's not even really a goal if you're just basing it off of what you're hoping for. So it's really important to bring it down to the level of your effort, like you said. So one of the goals you could have is, I'm going to make sure I go to practice twice a week, or I'm going to make sure that I have this section of the benchmark sheet completely memorized by this part. Those are tangible things that you can do yourself and you don't need to rely on anybody else for that. You know, even, and then, even, even if the team doesn't finish it, you say, I can right. still finish it. I think I've seen many times where the team kind of fell off and individual people said, I don't care. I like what I'm doing. I'm going to learn this thing. You ever seen that before, Chris? Oh, plenty of times. Yeah. I mean, those are the, those are some of the people that are best with the program are the ones that say, Hey, this isn't about, you know, Oh, I was forced to do this or anything like that. This is something that I see the value in this. And I see the importance of me swinging the bat all the way through and finishing this thing out and making sure I graduate and learn this program the right way. Uh, I mean, those are the, some of the best people with this stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk a little bit about one thing I was going to mention was the uh, standpoint when you're graduating, uh, the sense of achievement that people get. Could you give us a little bit about that? And like, I know you, that's part of the part you get as a, as the trainer, the guy who's doing this actually. So this guy is Chris has got like, I don't know how many meetings a day do you do Chris? How many, how many did you do? Uh, well, myself right now, three onboarding practice sessions, but we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven a day, seven, seven practice seven, sessions seven a day. Seven a day. He's doing three, three and he fills in for Sabrina sometimes. He got three to four a day he does. And every single day of the week, he's, except for Wednesday, he's graduating people. Uh, tell us uh, the sense of satisfaction that you get as a trainer, as, as a leader of these people in our group. Uh, what's the sense of satisfaction you get, the reward that you get when people graduate as, as you're leading them through this? What do you think? Well, you asked before if this was my dream job, and this is literally the reason why it is. I mean, I can't even tell you how great it feels that multiple times a day I get to have somebody have this sense of relief, of happiness, of satisfaction, of accomplishment. And it's just, uh, it's crazy because it goes from a span of 15 minutes where they start and they're nervous and, uh, you know, it's a little bit awkward because we're all on Zoom and the nerves are still getting shaken off. And by the end of it, they did it. And it's just this great moment of accomplishment. And man, I mean, there's just nothing better than seeing somebody so excited to have graduated because they put in a ton of work at that point. I mean, there's a ton of videos, a ton of practice sessions, a ton of pressure to really come in and nail this thing. And obviously the pressure in front of the customer too, to try this stuff. 
I mean, it takes a lot of courage to do all this. So, you know, when they finally have that moment where it paid off and they're successful, to be able to see that live right there and be part of that celebration with them. I mean, there's nothing better. It's definitely one of my favorite parts of this job for sure. Right. And then, so the kind of an outline here. So what's the journey or the timeline? Somebody yeah. starts with a kickstart meeting. Tell us from the time when they go through kickstart to the time they graduate. Tell us what is happening in that period of time so people can kind of get an understanding of what it looks like. And if they did want to see a professional do this, everybody here is welcome to join us for a tour to, to, to watch what Chris does. And you could say, if nothing else, even if you don't join our program for free, you get to see a professional do this job. So you know what it would look like somebody, for somebody to orient your team. Team, could give us a, uh, Chris, give us a little bit of a sort of a timeline or snapshot of what that yeah. thumbnail, if you will, of all that stuff. What does that look like from start to finish? Well, so you'd have your kickstart meeting and that's where everybody uh, gets oriented on what the program is going to be about. We give you some stuff to leave that day and start to see some improvements. Uh, but then we begin the real training. The training is going to consist of watching videos in the morning, carve out 90 minutes a day to be able to watch those videos. That way you got plenty of time to sit in there and really absorb that material, uh, not just fly right through it. And then on top of that, twice a week, we will have five of your guys Join us for practice where we literally are going to pretend like I am the customer. They are going to be them, and we are going to actually start using this stuff. So that way they get hands-on practice, can actually hear themselves say it out loud. You know, and anybody could role play with anybody, right? You could do it with your manager, but there's something about when you know the person and you got to pretend like you don't know the person makes it a little bit tough to get effective practice out of that. So that's why people love coming on to practice with Sabrina and I, because uh, we're somebody that they don't know, and they could actually treat us like a real customer and not have to you know, really play pretend too much. So you go to practice twice a week. Between the videos and practice, we do that for about three weeks. And then after that point, once you finish the videos, you're ready for graduation. What we'll do is we'll have you send in an option sheet. And that's like your ticket to get into your graduation. Once I get an option sheet that's approved and you did it the right way, we'll go ahead and let you schedule your graduation. And then when your time for your graduation comes, it's just one-on-one -on -one and we hit record and it's time to put you to the test. And then once you successfully get through the entire call, then it's graduation time. You did it. You get your certificate. We celebrate. And then uh, we move you on up to the next level for some of our other coaching classes that we have too. But that's the timeline. It takes about three weeks from, from start to finish right there to get you through our onboarding process. And then at the end of it, I've, I've seen several people make a cel at, the, at the actual companies kind of making a celebration out of this thing, right? They, they play the video for the team. They hand the certificate. Tell us how that kind of would go on the ground. If you okay, they graduate yeah. with you, they get the video, they get the, they get the option, the pricing sheet uh, done. Uh, what, what's the experience like back at the office for some of these people? Well, I mean, I've heard a lot of different stories of what people do. I've heard that there's pizza parties for people. I've heard that there's huge celebrations. Uh, some people get little gift baskets for doing it. And that's really important that we make sure that they realize that we appreciate the effort that they put in. So like us as leaders in a company, we want our employees to understand like, hey, you just went through this three weeks of training. You deserve a little pat on the back for that. And that's what's going to encourage them to continue with the training and make sure they stay sharp because anybody could get trained on something. But it's about the coaching that follows, too, to make sure that you stay consistent with it. Um, and no better way to uh, to motivate people than to show them that we appreciate their effort. I mean, it's one of the things we teach with the magic moments, you know, so praise and effort goes a long way. And that's one of the best ways you could praise somebody's effort is by celebrating afterwards. A magic moment graduation. Well, first of all, Chris, let me just praise your effort. This guy's grind. He's grinded it out all week. Uh, on a Friday, I say, hey, how about after you're done 
with work. We'll do a, we'll do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, and then he comes back. I mean, he sounds so fresh. Like, uh, tr- truthfully, Chris, it's like it warms my heart to see somebody like you who uh, you definitely feel it's in your heart that you really believe in this. And if you had to tell contractors from your heart, what do you think? Uh, what's the message you'd like to send to them to let them know that about you and, and the service that you offer? What do you think? Well, but, I mean, at the end of the day, I just get a lot of satisfaction from seeing somebody go from not really being interested in something like this to then by the end, not only are they interested, they're asking me and begging me for more. Hey, where can I find this? Where can I find this? What kind of videos do you have on this? And just flooding with questions because they see the value in it. And, you know, at the end of the day, I, I understand the value in this program. And I just want the whole world to know how great it is. Um, sometimes it bumps me out that I can't just hop on top of a mountain, scream to the entire country that we have this program available. So, but hey, you know, when people do find out about it, I mean, it's just, it means the world that I get to hear all the things. I mean, there's just there's countless stories about, oh, now I could afford a babysitter, a daycare, and I could afford cars for my kids, and I could afford school, and uh, I got more time to spend with my family, I have more time to do the things I want. I mean, there's nothing more satisfying than that, and that's possible for everybody. You just got to get you to go through the training and do the program and follow with it. All right, everybody. That's all we have time for today. I always say a good many starts on time and a great one ends on time. I think we qualify for that. Chris, thanks so much for being a guest on today's podcast. And definitely you have my complete gratitude and thanks for that. Everybody have a great one. We'll see you on the next episode. 